Hi, this is Kitty Swank, and you're listening to the FSF Podcast. The show where Professor X read our minds and wished he was still back on the bridge of the Enterprise. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt crewman number 129. She'll know that when she puts on the red shirt and joins Quark to make a profit from Tribbles, that she did not leave her family destitute and without hope, because the Redshirt Widows and Orphans Fund has her back and what's left of her Latinum Leaf book of acquisitions. All right, kids, our guest today is an actress who has portrayed multiple characters in the Star Trek world on Deep Space Nine, but you've probably also seen her guest starring in other shows and other television shows that you love, such as Babylon 5, Law and Order, Crossing Jordan, NYPD Blue. I would keep going, but I would lose my voice. Uh, and there's a whole bunch more attached there. And there's also some voiceover work as well, where she did some work for some Star Trek video games and some other things as well. There's a whole list of things on IMDb. Really go check it out. Uh, it's a really very cool list. I was kept going, ooh, she was in that. Ooh, she was in that. Uh, but yeah, here we are. And we are so happy and proud to welcome Kitty Swink to the FSF Podcast. Welcome to the show, Kitty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Kitty, not too long ago, you were able to travel to Germany for a Star Trek convention, which from all the pictures and the things that I've seen looked like it was an amazing time for everyone who attended that con. Now, some actors find that they really enjoy conventions and some really struggle whether they do it because, well, they got signed up for it. And they, you know, some have said, well, we feel like, you know, it's an obligation that we have to do it. And some absolutely love to do it. They can't wait to go to the next one to meet the fans and interact with them. So what is it about conventions that that you like or don't like, and which has been your favorite one to attend thus far? Well, that's hard. Um, I've, I like meeting the fans. I love talking to people. I find Star Trek fans to be, uh, they like science. They like to learn. They like the other. They like to know people that aren't the same as them, which I think is great, because that's how I am. I always want to open my horizons. Um, they're generous of spirit, and also uh, if if the Star Trek fans together decide there's something that they want to support, some charity, or those of us on the other side of the world, uh, for instance, Armin and Jonathan Frakes and I work with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and the Star Trek fans have been incredibly generous with helping to support research into pancreatic cancer. So we've changed the numbers on that, and Star Trek fans have been so helpful, I can't thank them enough. So those are things I love. The other thing I love about Star Trek conventions is I get to hang around with people that I don't see very often, like Marina Sirtis is a dear friend, but she lives in London now, so I don't get to see her very often. Sure. And we were, <laughs> we were in, in uh, Dortmund together having a really, really good time, and uh, it just was so much fun. Anthony and Montgomery and I got to spend a lot of time together. Um, Connor Trenier, who was in a web series that I produced, and I laughed until we were having terrible thing to say snot run out of our nose there you go <laughs> and, uh, so it was just great it was really good and i got to meet some of the people from the new show which i had never who i had never met before so that was fun what don't uh, what the things i don't like about it is how exhausting it gets to sit underneath fluorescent lights for that many hours oh it's yeah so tiring and the sort of cacophony of noise my favorite convention my favorite conventions Boy, that's hard. Uh, I loved the Star Trek cruise a few years ago that Armin and I did to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. uh, loved it. We're going to do the one in February. 
That's exciting. Um, I always like going to Las Vegas because it's such a weird place, Las Vegas, and we can drive there. And there's an outlet mall in the way where I always buy a purse, so that's fun. Outlet malls uh, make everything better. Yeah, outlet malls, love them. And uh, I don't, the only really bad convention we went to was one in um, a place that I shall remain nameless where on the airplane flight there, I came down with chicken pox. So oh, I no. in our hotel room in the morning, I was covered with pox. I just started feeling bad on the plane. I woke up with chicken pox. And then the um, organizers, uh, uh, so I couldn't do the convention, but Army did the convention and he, they stiffed him. He didn't get paid. So between the chicken pox being stuck in a hotel room and oh man, getting stiffed, that, was a, that was a bummer. That was really not. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. And you're not supposed to have chicken pox in your 40s, which is when I so it was a while ago. But yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. That's no bueno. The idea of chicken pox in your 40s. Chicken pox as an adult in general just sounds horrendous to me. It was bad. And there were pox in places that you don't want to know about. Really. Fair enough. I'll I'll take your word for it on that one. Not bad. Bad. My my older brother got chicken pox when he was he would have been about 18 months old, I think is what my mom said. Cause he and my, the next one in line. So my two brothers got chicken pox at the same time. And Charlie had him on the palms of his hands, inside of his mouth, in his nose, on the underside of his eyelids. Yeah. Like, so when, when I came around 12 years later and the, the chicken pox vaccine was a thing, my mom's like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> You're getting that vaccine now because I don't want to go through that again. Like, yeah. Yeah, I had bad pox as a baby as well. My mom said they were in places they shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. All, yeah, the, I, all the places that say, you don't want them to go. Yeah, and let me just say going to the bathroom was not fun. Oh, it wouldn't be. So, Kitty, you've already touched a little bit on your work with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Mm-hmm. But you are an 18-year pancreatic cancer survivor, which, just as a note to our listeners, a quick Google search showed that the general five-year survival rate for pancreatic cancer in the United States is 11% right now. And when you received your diagnosis, it was closer to the three to 4% range. Yes. So for you to be an 18-year survivor is incredibly amazing. Like just, that is, that is fantastic. And talk about literally beating the odds. That is, that's amazing. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to cry because that's not who I want to be today. <laughs> You, <laughs> you've um, used this experience as a cancer survivor to help others diagnosed with pancreatic cancer through PanCan. Yeah. And so can you tell us what PanCan does, how you got involved, and how our listeners can get involved to help out too? Oh, that's a long answer. So uh, Charlotte Ray, who some, if you're, you guys are too young, but she was the um, den mother on the facts of life, uh, mm-hmm. was a dear friend of ours. And she went to... Um, uh, the Midwest to take a test uh, because she had had a lot of people in her family. She went with PanCan to take a test because she had lost so many family members to pancreatic cancer. And quite uh, unbeknownst to them, when she went to take the test, she tested positive. They had no idea she had pancreatic cancer. And she came back here. And our friend Larry Pressman, Lawrence Pressman, who a lot of Star Trek fans will know because of that, but he was also on Dookie Hauser, and you know he's done a million things called me and said she needs a rabbi so they asked me to you know i'm like my husband a rabbi yes me you know not 
a Jewish girl, but there you go. I was uh, Shar's rabbi and um, I'm such a shiksa. So there we go. And uh, I started, as Charlotte got better, I started to go to Pancreatic Cancer Action Network events with her, often in Orange County, California. I would drive her down and Charlotte was about 4.11 and I was, I've shrunk, but I was um, 5.10. So we would go and we would stand behind the podium and I would take an apple box in the back of my car and she'd stand up on the apple box and I would still be like feet taller. <laughs> and um, we would talk to people and she would make a speech and sometimes I would make a speech with her. And then at her funeral, her son asked me to speak, which I did. She was a really important person in my life and she gave so many people hope. And not just about that, she was a um, sober alcoholic and she helped so many people in Hollywood become sober alcoholics. And so I thought I have to carry on this tradition of helping people. And it's sort of in my, how I was raised that if you're lucky enough to be lucky, then you have to help other people. So I started um, doing that kind of stuff. And then I, when, um, Another person involved with Star Trek uh, died a few years ago. I made a donation to PanCan and I tweeted something about it, asking other people to do it. And the woman who had started PanCan because her mother had died of pancreatic cancer found, I don't know how she found out how to get a hold of me, but she found out how to get a hold of me and she asked me to make a, um, make a, a meeting time with her. And so I did, and we met, and I said, you know, Jonathan Frakes lost his brother to pancreatic cancer, and Armin is very involved because I'm one of the lucky ones. I was told I wasn't gonna survive. And so the three of us uh, had a meeting with them online, and we've been involved ever since. And they do extraordinary things. They have patient services where they really help you find the right doctors, a center of excellence. They can talk to you about diet and um, they can give you counseling. It's very disturbing. It's also very difficult for your family. So um, they also help families, the whole family. It's a family project. And um, they have paid for enormous amounts of research. PanCan reached out and got the rules changed so that if you are in a a trial for a new drug and the drug isn't working, they allow you to get out of that trial now and into a trial that maybe will help you work. Oh and that's God. the doing of PanCan, which is saving lives. It's extraordinary. Yeah. That's um, cool. And I Amazing. think a lot of why it's gone from 3% to 11% and our goal is 20% uh, it, within the next 10 years. So a lot of why that is true is because of the work that PanCan has done. And early detection is an enormous thing. And the other thing that PanCan has really taken a hand in is if you're a, a black person or a brown person, particularly a black person in this country, you're much more likely to die of the same disease because you don't get diagnosed in the same way. Right. So we're working hard on early detection for everybody, but also for people of color. And I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of everything PanCan does. So that's, that's the quick answer, yeah. That is so amazing. I and mean, it is, I mean, just the, the work that you guys have done, getting it from three to 4% to 11% is fantastic. I mean, it's still heartbreaking that that number seems so low still, right. but it's so much higher than it was. 
Well, part of it is early detection. If you know in your family that there's pancreatic cancer, you should go get tested. There's ways to find it early. I, I don't know why I got so lucky. And I, I think I'm lucky because I had really good doctors and doctors who listened to me. And when I said, I don't feel well, they listened to me. I had had breast cancer in my thirties. And so I was lucky. I was much better and younger than most people who get this disease because I'm a uh, I just, I'm not good at sitting still. So I work out all the time or I run or I walk or I do, you know, so that made a big difference. I just lucky that way. And, uh, I did everything that medical science told me to do. I meditated. I did sort of every kind of herbal gerbil thing I could, I did it all. I did it all. And I had Armin and my friends who were unbelievably helpful, unbelievably helpful. The first time they told me I could take a shower, I I couldn't really stand up and do it myself. And so my friend Dinah in the hospital room got me into the shower, took off her clothes and washed my hair for me. I can't tell you how amazing that was. I will, I mean, I would love her anyway. Her children are my godchildren, but I, I will love her forever for that. That's an extraordinary thing to do for somebody. It yeah. is, that is, that is so amazing. And I love the, the first thing that you say that you had Armin, it's like, mm, Armin. Well, He's kind of the best. He's a keeper. I think I should keep him. I think you, you should. I think after as long as you've had him, you probably should keep him. I think there's the return policy's probably expired. You think it's last? <laughs> 41 years of marriage, I can't throw him back. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and maybe I missed this in, in, in your story, but what's a good way for our listeners if they want to get involved? How can they help out? Go to pancan.org, uh, capital P, small a, and capital C-A-N.org and check it out. And you can make a donation, you can volunteer, you can uh, encourage other people who you know have pancreatic cancer in their um, family backgrounds to get it. You can, people who have had lots of kinds of cancers have had, who, who if they get a genetic um, testing, there's certain genetic, like the BRCA mutation, which also can be a, a, a marker for breast cancer can be a marker for pan for pancreatic cancer. There's lots of ways to get involved or um, find me on Twitter at Kitswink and I'll send you in the right direction. Awesome. We're definitely Perfect. gonna link those. Definitely. And I, I just wanna tell a story. I have a friend who I met through Charlotte mm -hmm. who's a 19 year survivor. Her name's Roberta Luna and she's never been operable. And I don't know anybody else who's not operable because that's usually a big marker whether you have a chance to survive or not and she's gone from one drug to another and she is optimistic and happy and works her butt off for pancreatic cancer research and she's my hero so That's everybody should have a hero yeah. I that is absolutely amazing pancan is definitely something that is really close to your heart mm -hmm. and many of us also have like a little special little something that is close that we hold to our hearts yes. but what is a project or a film that you have worked on that is a little less known that is close to your heart, but you wish had some more love. Oh, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of them. Uh, th there's a goofy little movie that I just adore called, uh, you know, it's called Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. And um, Armin's in it and Barry Bostrick's in it and I'm in it. And um, Janet Varney, if you guys are, uh, fans of a lot of games she's amazing and uh uh these two young people well i guess they're they're not really young. i met them when they were really young people but they're 
kind of middle people now, um, who are wonderful writers, actors, and directors. Uh, Gabe Diani and Etta Devine wrote, directed it, produced it. It was summer camp for actors. We had the most wonderful time. And I just think it's so smart and funny. It's so, it's two sort of down on their luck comics who get, who get caught up in the apocalypse. And there's a, a, a group of extremely wealthy people who are living on this ranch, protecting themselves, and they hunt meat people. So I'm one of the people who, Armin and I, and Barry Bostwick, and Harry Groner, who you guys probably know, uh, <laughs> are people who try and hunt and eat them. I think I can reveal that that we don't succeed in that, but <laughs> I have pulled it up on IMDb and I'm just looking at screenshots now and I'm like, okay, so this is adding to my watch list. Oh, it's so silly and funny. And I think these two people should be writing and directing all the time. I think they're, I mean, they are writing, they're writing on a show right now, but they're just incredible. I just love the two of them. And we had so much fun doing it. It was just stupid fun. It really was stupid fun. And and the guy who wrote the music for the film was making us all breakfast in the morning when we're up on location. It was in the morning, there's somebody in the kitchen making it was fantastic. Also, no actors went missing, right? No, 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 let me think. John Apicella came back though. Yeah, it was really good. And then there's a movie that I really want to make that Marina and um, Terry and myself and um, and uh, Nana and a bunch of other wonderful people were going to make before the pandemic. And then the pandemic came and it went into turnaround. And uh, uh, Kristen Baker, who's directing and producing it, is hoping to find the money for that. So I hope that happens about Storyville, which was a real place in New Orleans. I've spent a lot of time in, in New Orleans and shooting things in my life. I've been lucky enough to work down there a lot. And um, and it's really interesting. And it's a feminist look at what happened. Um, so it's really interesting. I like it a lot. Oh. Hope that gets me. That's very dear to my heart. Yeah. These pictures from Diani and Divine. Yeah, it's so stupid. Isn't oh it? my gosh, but it looks so great. And there's this 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 picture of the lineup, and it's Barry and Armin and Harry and Chad. And Armin only comes up to their shoulders. You know. And then I'm it, if you flipped the image, I'd be on the other side, walking up and down the people trying to pick one we're going to um who we're gonna hunt that day. So the, the flip side of that image is me going, okay, I think we should, and I'm like looking at their teeth and you know. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Sounds yeah. wonderful. Sounds okay. So check out. For I, sure. I, you know, it's not, I, I've, you know, I probably should have said Patty Hearst with Natasha Richardson and Bing Rams and blah, blah, blah. But it, Johnny and Divine just thrills me. Just tickles me to death. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. Sounds like something, honestly, it sounds like something I would watch. Mm -hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so Katie, in, in your career, you've played many roles in many different shows, some serious, some not so serious, of course. And I know that it's an actor's job to portray different personality types and such, and you know, depending on the character and, and what's going on in the scene and all this. But you seem to do this with, with ease and, and you know, uh, in a way that I, I don't think that many actors and actresses do. But because of that, it makes me wonder, uh, what would you offer in the way of advice to people who are working on becoming actors or thinking of becoming an actor in the ways that you prepare for, for these different role types? 
Well, that's really interesting. I heard, um, God rest your soul, Angela Lansbury died this week, who mm -hmm. was one of my heroes. And, and it was a really, it was an interview that they played a clip from from a long time ago. And she said, you know, I was a character actress, which is a dirty word in Hollywood. But I think being a character actor is kind of great because you get to have this wild ride of playing all these different parts. And if you're lucky, they, um, I'll go with that. But most people, unless you're Meryl Streep, they only want you to play one thing. And mm -hmm. I, because I guess I've never been famous. I've just been a good working Joe actor. Uh, I've had the opportunity to, to do a lot of different things. Uh, I think find yourself in every character, work really hard, open your heart, do your homework. I, I remember one time when we first moved from New York to LA, I, I, there was a playwrights festival and they were doing readings of all these new plays and I got cast in two of them and they were back to back in the they were like 20 minute plays and I walked off stage changed my clothes and walked back in a different character and I had left my New York agent to come to Hollywood and I didn't have an agent out here yet and I had an agent come up to me after the end of the evening and say you know you made a mistake and I said excuse me he said well I didn't recognize you when you came back for the second play that's a mistake they should know who you are and I was like you're not impressed with the fact that you, you that you didn't know who I was. <laughs> That's a really strange thing to say. But it, I, I last night we went to hear a friend of ours sing at Feinstein's, and afterwards we ran into a, a friend of a, a woman I know from years and years and years of doing commercial auditions when we were young, and we talked about how maybe we didn't have the career that we thought we would have but we had such a happy life because we've gotten to do all these really interesting different things. So I think um, embrace what life gives you, uh, live every day. And that's true whether you're an actor or a bus driver. And I think that makes you better at whatever it is you do, yeah. Well, that's good advice. You know, I, we've had opportunity to interview uh, a couple other of character actors. We interviewed Larry Cedar, we've interviewed Larry Hankin and um, you know, the reason I asked you that question, because, you know, being a character actor, you, you've you've been in all these different shows and you've had opportunity to to take on all these different things. Now, one of the things that, that Larry Cedar brought up um, and I want to see, you know, what your thoughts are on this are as well, because he said that he took a lot of pride and joy in being a character actor in mm -hmm. the simple fact that he got to try all these different things and all these different modes and methods of acting that most actors don't get a chance to do because they're an action star or they're a sci-fi star or they're a reality star or whatever it may be. But they, mm -hmm. they have a very limited scope of, of their skills, but he's getting to try out everything because he's played you know everything from a prince to a pauper and everything in between. Um, and I don't know if, if you felt the same way or similar to that. I do. In fact, Larry and I did a little known and it probably shall remain nameless um horror film together where i played a hundred and ten hundred and ten year old serial killer and he was my dead husband so there you go i mean that we're talking out on the out on the limb at the same time i was playing i was doing a play uh where i was the wealthy trophy wife of a philanderer and um at the same time I'm doing those two things at the same time. <laughs> so how much fun is that? I, I, I got to say, having not being able to get the fake blood out from underneath my toenails was a little disgusting. But other <laughs> <laughs> and the, 
and the stuff that they put in their skin to make you all wrinkly is really ugh. But other than that, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds Larry, like an experience. Larry is, Larry is one of those guys that whatever it is, he's up for it. Mm-hmm. Truly. He's, he's up for everything, which is wonderful about him. Yeah. Now, I actually read a recent interview of yours where you talked about the impact that Star Trek has had on your life, watching the original series with your older brother to the lasting friendships that you have gained from you being in, in Star Trek and from Armin being in Star Trek as well. Did you ever imagine watching the original series as a young girl that this show would have such an impact on the rest of your life? I had no idea. I mean, I knew that it, which it had changed my brother's life. That was clear when we were little kids. He was going to be a scientist. There was no question that he was going to be a scientist. But the fact that he went into aerospace is directly, I can point directly to Star Trek. So I knew it had changed his life. I had no idea it would change Armin's of my life the way it had. I, I thought I was going to go to New York and be a musical comedy star. And to tell you the truth, I don't sing that well and I don't dance that well. I'm perfectly mediocre at both things. But I am a good actor. And... So, you know, I had no idea. I really had no, I had no idea. And how lucky am I that it came this way? Yeah. I'm just so lucky. So many of my, I mean, so many of our dear friends. Marnie Moseman was over yesterday. John Delancey's wife was an extraordinary actress. And we were um, writing postcards to voters and watching the January 6th hearings while we were catching up with everything. You know, she's, she and John are in my life all the time. Terry texted the other day and said, I haven't seen you for a long time. We have to go for a walk. I mean, it's just the people, Jonathan Frakes, who Armin knows before he knows me, and Armin and I have been married for 41 years. Um, he's part of our life all the time. His daughter Eliza came over for lunch with her dog, Mamie, to have a play date with my dogs last week. It's, it's you know, Star Trek is part of my life in such a great way. And I have people that I've met at conventions, fans who are, really dear friends dear friends it's kind of great yeah that's wonderful that's a beautiful answer there's that that small the little girl inside of me who's still a little bit jealous that you're friends with jonathan frakes but (laughs) that's just because he was one of my first like major on-screen crushes because oh yeah just johnny's cute there's no question johnny's cute (laughs) i met him first time i met him he and Jeannie were dating and there was a bowling birth it was before he was on star trek it was a bowling birthday party for a mutual friend who was a casting director and the four of us were on the same bowling lane and armin and jonathan were catching up and Jeannie and i were becoming friends and pretty great close back a long ways yeah that's awesome and i mean i grew up watching deep space nine and then reruns of all of star trek because my parents loved star trek but Riker was just like I can I can very much point back to my taste in men is <laughs> like, you have excellent taste I have to tell you you have excellent taste and it's so funny is like people are like really that's I don't see that in your husband and I'm like oh but when he grows a beard oh. there it is there you, go. <laughs> you may Never have beat me to it I may have been pulling up pictures of your husband right? anyway uh... <laughs> I, I just never had a type. That's so interesting. Except, you know, Armin's my type because after we met 43 years ago. So I guess he's my type now. But before then, I didn't have a type. Fair enough. But you and Armin, from from what I've seen, what I've read, you guys are just 
best friends on top of, I mean, like that is like, that seems like the root of your relationship is that you guys are friends and then your relationship blossoms from there. And that's, that's amazing. My husband and I were friends before we started dating. And I feel like that's what we can always fall back on is even on the days where he's driving me crazy. It's the, I I tell him, I'm like, so I need to, I need to complain to my best friend for a minute. He's like, okay, about what? I'm like, my husband is being a jerk. (laughs) He's like, that's not fair. I am your, your husband and your best friend. I'm like, yeah. And now you have to deal with me complaining about the fact that my husband is a jerk. So suck it up champ. (laughs) Were you really pulling up pictures of my husband though, Tim? You're so weird. A little bit. I was just, you know, comparison shopping. It's all right. So, Kitty, when we interviewed Armin and he was talking to us about there was a time he was like struggling with something, and then you gave him some words of encouragement. If you want to be a knight, you have to wear the armor. And I love that. And that got me thinking about our our dreams and aspirations. Uh, so if you could do anything, anything in the world without failing, what would you do? If I could do anything, I would make the world fairer. That's that's a solid answer. That's a solid yeah. answer. That that is considering it. that there's nothing in life that is fair. I think that's a very solid answer. I also am pretty sure I just heard my four year old yell, "Dad, that's not fair!" from the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is everything, right? If I was going to be selfish, I'd really love to be able to play the piano beautifully. I don't. I, it would give me such joy to be able to. But that's the selfish answer. Yeah. We'll accept both. It's okay. okay. We'll take both. And now a word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. Welcome back to the FSF Popcast. Okay. Thank you. All right. So <laughs> I'm always interested in uh, people's backgrounds, learning about our guests, you know, what kind of makes them tick, a little bit of an origin story, so to speak. So what was it in the origin story of Kitty Swink that made you want to look into the world of entertainment and pursue a career in the arts? My mother read all the time. She read all the time. And she taught me to love to read. She taught me to love story and metaphor and how you could learn anything inside the pages of a book. I just expanded that into telling stories my way. I couldn't write. I I mean, I write a really good, I was a good student. I wrote a good paper, but I'm not a creative writer. The way Armin can write a novel, that's not what I do. But I could tell a story a different way. And then... In fifth grade, I said to Patty DeRocher, who I still know, um, and was one of my college roommates, I said, I'm going to be an actress. And she laughed at me. And that made me really cranky. And I went, well, I'm not going to use the word you told me I couldn't use. <laughs> and, um, so I decided to become an actress. And there you have it. You know, I'm in. I'm in. And then... Uh, and I, I, I like being a camera is fine. It's terrific. It's wonderful. Thank you very much for my house. But there's 
something about being on it, rehearsing on a stage and then stepping in front of an audience and the, uh, I, I say commutative property, the, the permeable bond between the audience and the actors. Mm -hmm. Play's not finished until you have an audience and you experience it together. There's something about that experience that is so, on the nights that it works, on the nights that it's magic is so overwhelming to me that the first time I got a laugh or I made somebody cry or the audience made me laugh or cry because I was so overwhelmed by what was happening between us. I never could get over that. I just could never get over the magic of, the Greeks called it catharsis. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. You, you're brought to catharsis and I love that experience. And I can't, I can direct, okay, I'm not film, but I'm a pretty good theater director. I, I can't write. I mean, I could write, but I'd be okay. Maybe if I was lucky, I'd be okay. I can't paint. I don't play the piano well, but I can do this thing. I can make theater. And I, I think people who experience art, whether it's a painting or a book or a poem or a, a piece of music, whatever it is, they're more likely to be open to the world. They're more likely to be kind. They're more likely to be willing to learn. And if I can be any part of that process, then I feel like I haven't been a failure as a human being. Even if I get one person a year, it's one person I didn't have before. That's why I like teaching so much. It's the same thing. It's the same experience. I love that. Oh, that's and a great it makes answer. Better. I can't be, I can't be angry with the world when I see a good piece of theater or read a brilliant book. I just can't because there's beauty. I like it. That's a very good answer. Very insightful. I like, yeah. I need to go back to a live show. Yeah. That's really nice. That's, that's kind of how I feel after I, the, I like, I wish I could play the guitar. I'm, mm. I can't, I've tried a couple different times. I'm just not good at it, but there's something about watching music in a live setting and, mm -hmm. you know, just this, uh, was it last week? Yeah, last week, I, I went to go see uh, one of my favorite bands uh, perform. It was the first chance I ever got to see them perform. And you know, when when I leave live music, it's it's kind of a, and I, and I assume this is for people who, who go watch theater and enjoy the theater and mm -hmm. uh, musicals and things along those lines, you know. Um, I have a performance, I get a, you know, a performance high from it. Mm -hmm. And when I leave, I'm, I'm very excited, you know, for a, a little bit. And I felt really bad for my buddy who was writing, I was writing home with because I wouldn't shut up about the concert. And that's all <laughs> I could talk about for a little bit was because I was so excited about it and I enjoyed it so very much. And I wanted to talk about every last little thing of it because I enjoyed watching the musicians do what they were doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and how they were doing it. So, and that's, that's kind of how I'm relating to your answer is that, you know, thinking about it from that, that, that aspect. Are you going to tell us who the band is? Sure. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a big fan of Toad. Uh, and I never had a chance to see them live. I, one of my favorite songs ever is by them. It's called Crazy Life. And uh, it just... <laughs> It's kind of one of those funny things that all these years I've listened to the, that band and that song in particular, uh, which is also on the Empire Records soundtrack of one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And all these years I've listened to that that uh, that that song, watched that movie. I have never once realized that it wasn't Glenn, the lead singer, singing the song. It was the <laughs> guitarist. 
Oh. I didn't realize it till we were at the concert and Glenn backed away from the microphone and here comes the lead guitarist and and he started <laughs> singing and I was like, well, I learned something today. All right. So that's great. But I feel like that is how you know that it was a good performance when the audience leaves feeling like that too, because you know that the band is feeling the same way or the cast of the play or the musical. I mean, I was in high school productions of stuff. I was in choir, but I love live theater. I grew up around live theater and as an audience member, you can tell when cast members are having a good night, when they are enjoying their performance and the energy is different. I, I love that. And I am going to start looking at tickets to go see something live soon because I need to. <laughs> it was much fun. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So Kitty, I have one more question tonight and I thought, I mean, I went really, really serious with the pancreatic cancer thing. I've already made myself want to cry multiple times. So I am going to go polar <laughs> opposite and go completely ridiculous for a minute. Okay, good. I'm ready. I found it funny that the website Wikidata not only identifies you as a human, but also <laughs> offers reference to prove it. And I'm sure that it's comforting on some levels that they've proved that you're a human. But if you weren't a human... What species would you want to be and why? I'd want to come back as one of my dogs. Are you kidding? Oh, man. I don't even want to come back as an alien. I want to come back as one of my dogs. Life is as one of my dogs. <laughs> Somebody scrubbles your belly all the time. You get a little under the chin. You're getting treats all the time. You get taken for walks. That's what I want. That, I love that. She could be onto something. Yeah, I'd either want to be a dog or a house cat because house cats get to sleep all the time and nobody thinks anything of it. <laughs> And then they just randomly run full speed through the room screaming and it, it, it's fine because they're a cat. I yeah, do it. People think there's a problem. Either way, it. the pets are pretty well pampered. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah my, I, sorry. Ridiculously, my name is Kitty and I'm allergic to cats. So <laughs> I want to come back as a dog because I don't want to be allergic to myself. That's I just true. Fair enough. Yeah. That's fair. My, <laughs> My tuxedo cat, my my sweet Ernie, was sleeping in the recliner in our living room yesterday and completely asleep. Paws twitching, whiskers twitching, ears twitching. He farted in his sleep. It scared him. He jumped out of that chair. He jumped out of that chair so fast and full speed, like zoomied around the living room, meowing. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to be okay. That's fantastic. My other cat starts chasing him and then the dog gets involved and I'm like, guys, man, <laughs> but I want to just be able to randomly stand up and start screaming and running full speed through my house and having people not look at me like I've completely lost it. Well, then we do that. I have to say as dogs, they, they're all of a sudden, Whoa! yeah. And it's so <laughs> funny. They get that, that zoom of energy and they zoom me around and I don't know if your dogs do it. My dog will get to the point where her back end is running faster than her front end. <laughs> and then we'll run into things and slide into things. And I'm like, really? I have a very tiny house. I'm going to put you outside where you can run full speed in the grass. Oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah. I love the idea of coming back as a dog, though. Definitely okay. a dog or a cat. Mm -hmm. Cool. I like that idea a lot. One of the things we don't get to see a whole lot of as fans is a lot of the behind the scenes kind of stuff that actors get to experience and a lot of times that's where the blooper reels and all that stuff come from but there's a lot more than that 
Uh, so is there an incident that has happened on set that still makes you laugh to this day? There's a lot of them. I, I actually have something that's, that's from college. It's a theater-related story, but it's a similar thing. So I was doing a play called Scafino, and I'm playing uh, Zerbinetta the Gypsy, and then there's the blonde girl with the big bosoms, which I obviously don't have, um, as the ingenue sort of girl. And at the end, uh, there's a guy selling ice cream. At the, at the last scene of the play, this guy selling ice cream, and he would come over and he would put one scoop and hand it to me and then he would look at her and then he would look at her and he would add a second scoop for her con because you know and one day one show he handed the ice cream to her and he had too much speed on his hand and the top scoop toppled into the cleavage of her dress he was a really smart young actor and he reached over and he grabbed the other scoop and he put it on top of the ice cream cone he handed the ice cream cone to her and he spent the entire rest of the scene including the curtain call I don't usually break but I was like <laughs> I was a mess. I'll never forget that guy. Oh, uh, no, I can see why. I know yeah. exactly what he looks like. I remember his character's name. I'll never forget that guy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when I think about the story, I start going. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> University of Oregon, straight to you. There you go. There you go. Oh, I love it. All right, Katie, we're at a point in our show where we like to take our guests through a little bit of a quiz. Okay. It's a, a four-question quiz. They're okay. all multiple choice. Okay? okay. If you get three of the of the four questions correct, we're going to send you this book right here called Custodians of the Cosmos. Okay. It's, it's written about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Starfleet, but not Starfleet, you know, litigiously. And... Uh, <laughs> he wasn't able to join, so he rejoined as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. I so, don't remember if Armin has a copy or not. I don't remember either. So, um, But we want to make sure that you get that book. If, if you get the three questions correct, we'll send it to you. Okay? okay. Now, uh, they're all multiple choice. Okay. You, okay. And like I said, so three, you get the book. If you get two or less correct... Nick mentioned our, I believe he mentioned our, our Facebook group. Didn't you, Nick? Didn't not you? Tonight. No? Okay. Well, not tonight. Not we, well, not tonight. I must have missed that somehow. Uh, but we have a Facebook group mentioned. of over 206,000 members, which is full oh. of all different memes of this universe mixed with that universe and all this kind of fun stuff. Okay. So we call it our fun sequence. If you get two or less questions, we make a meme out of you and we put you into our Facebook group. <laughs> the stakes are high. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. So, Nick, take us out. In Roddenberry's original treatment, what was the name of the starship? Was it Enterprise, Yorktown, or Crusher? Enterprise. It was Yorktown. Okay, fine. All right. I'm down one. I, I feel Facebook in my future. Here we go. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Question number two. Which alien race... Did President Ronald Reagan say reminded him of Congress? A, 
Romulans, B, Borg, or C, Klingons? Klingons. That is correct. Okay, so typically... I barely made it through that one without laughing, man. Typically, we don't do anything any, anything even close to politics on this show, but that question cracked me up and I had to put it in. <laughs> I think I think it's a good question. I think, but you know, there was only one answer: Klingons. Borg oh. weren't even invented when he was president, so that's <laughs> the fact. So yeah. What is Lieutenant? Uh, Lieutenant. Oh man, Uhura. I know it. I what was it? Uhura. Uhura. I knew that. Uhura's <laughs> first name is it Katora, Nyota, or Becky? The first one. Katora. Uh huh. Or Nyota. No, Katora. It was Nyota. Okay, there you go. I'm, I'm in the on on Facebook. Here we go. Oh, All right. Man. Just ask me the fourth question so I know how bad it is. Okay. Question number four. Yes. Who is the chief medical officer of Deep Space Nine? Is it Doctor Dax, Doctor Cisco, or Doctor Bashir? Doctor Bashir. That is correct. All right. He was on my good. TV last. He's week. a friend of mine, and I was on that show. So you know that, that one I should have been able to get. I fell asleep watching Deep Space Nine last night. Okay, I'm not going to go there with you. It's it's a comfort <laughs> show. I've watched it through so many times, and it was so funny. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, and I, I looked, and I'm like, oh, I should go back to sleep. Oh, look, it's Q. <laughs> and I was awake for another hour and a half. So. <laughs> well, all right, Katie. So I'll we're on next week when I see him. We're oh my gonna gosh, make a, we're gonna we're gonna take one of your pictures. We're gonna make a meme out of you. We're gonna put okay. it in our Facebook group. But I guarantee you it'll it'll be a it'll be a nice meme. You won't you won't be sad about it. Uh-huh. I don't believe it. <laughs> Probably fair. Uh <laughs> but uh all the same. Uh if you're interested, we'd still like to send you the book anyway. Thank okay. You. As yeah, a you. as a lovely parting gift, and thank you for putting up with our shenanigans. Oh, it was fun. I had a really good time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I am still struggling a little bit with the we talk about the, the Star Trek, the, the people that I saw on my TV growing up. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're my friends. I saw them last week. I'll see him next week. Like, oh, you live such a cool life. So cool. Everybody has a cool life if they're lucky enough. Yeah. You you. We, we actually, we interviewed Will Wheaton and he was talking about his friend Patrick. And I'm like, you're talking about Patrick Stewart. And, and, and he was just so so nonchalant about, oh yes, my friend Patrick and I did. I'm like, dude, it's Patrick Stewart. He's like, well, I will call him Sir Patrick Stewart when I need to. I'm like, your friend is a knight. <laughs> it's just mind-blowing to me. <laughs> Well, Kitty, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more? And also remind us where we can go to find out more about PanCam. Uh, if you go to www.pancan.org, P-A-N-C-A-N, capital P, small A-N, capital C-A-N.org, uh, you can find out a lot. Or find me on Twitter, and I will send you in the right direction. Oh. At Kitswink. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to link your Twitter and the PanCan website for our viewers and our listeners to hopefully go and thank you. See all the amazing stuff you do. Yeah. Right. 
We also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show continue to grow and get more amazing guests like Kitty Swink here today to have these wonderful conversations with and give you a few moments of laughter as well. So please subscribe. It helps us more than we'll ever really be able to tell you. And please go check out PanCan as well and everything that's going on over there. It sounds like a wonderful organization. I'll be checking it out more here in just a couple of moments. But if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is the Earth Alliance Senator from Babylon 5. You see, she's <laughs> used to dealing with paperwork and redundancy for, well, redundancy's sake. So bring your three copies of your complaint because that's not what's going to slow her down. What's going to slow her down is the rest of the bureaucrats in President Clark's inner circle. Once she gets past those guys, uh, you can be sure that the offending parties will pay for their insolence, but most likely their poor podcasting skills. <laughs> Thanks again, Kitty, for being on the show today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Kitty. Thank you. I had a really good time. Had a good time. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us there for the FSF podcast. All right, I'm going to go put Goodbye. the in the marinade. Bye. Ciao. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF Popcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Popcast. Or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.